Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dies to Removal, the Magic the Gathering podcast that just won't die to the removal of long distances. Because once again, Vince, the most pleasant of Kenobis, the milk addict so nice. <laughs> I thought I was going home. Then I got off a plane and, well, here I am in Portland. You are home. Yeah. This is, you now live here. Okay. I, I drifted off. I was like, oh, that was a quick flight, 12 hours, and here I am, Portland, Portland, right, Portland right. Oregon. All right. And today we're going to be doing our set review for Throne of Eldraine, the newest Magic the Gathering set that's about to hit stores. Pre-releases this Friday. You came uh, up from pre-release -pre Yes, or down. Yeah, or so down. I've, I've been in the great nation of Canada. Uh, I went to the Loading Ready One pre-release. -pre -pre I got to play the new cards, um, meet new people, make new friends. And it was a dream come true to actually play with Loading Ready One as I've watched their content for years now. Um, and yeah, I really like the set. I don't know if I'm enamored by it more because I've got this like, oh, I just been to the pre-release and that might make me like it more, but it was very fun to play Unlimited. I think it gives you a certain, and I'm glad to be talking about Throne of Eldraine with you specifically because you just came from pre-pre-release, so you do have that experience. I think it does give you a little bit of insight to this. I have a bit more insight than you though. You know why? Because you're American and you think you know best? <laughs> because I watched you on pre-pre-release, I was oh. in Twitch chat, so I knew more I knew than you even you. I read out your name at the end for the... Uh, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. But, so I have the most expertise on Throne of Eldraine because I was a Twitch viewer of the pre-release. And they are, as we all know, Twitch viewers are the best magic players in the world. Right, right here. Yo, yo. So, uh, yeah. Now, one thing I want to say before we get started is that when we say set review, we are not pros. Uh, and so we are not doing the typical pro set review where we go over every card or even every card of interest or anything like that. A lot of those reviews also focus on standard and draft, which we don't focus on. We are a couple of gentlemen who enjoy legacy and modern and commander. I like a little popper. Vince likes a little cube. And so we're actually just going to talk about cards that have popped up interest us. They may not even be the best cards in the set. Some of them might be cards we don't think are going to make it, but we want to ask the other person what their opinion is and have a conversation. So we're keeping it casual. We're just having a casual chat about some of the cards that interest us in Throne of Eldraine on my channel. I've got a few best of videos. I know Vince is going to do a few of his favorite picks on his own channel. You have a YouTube channel? My goodness. Wow. I didn't have to say words and you already got to that joke. <laughs> I don't even have to set you up. You're like, I'm going to get in there before Vince says anything. Absolutely. <laughs> before we do talk about those cards, let's just talk about Eldraine as a set. Overall, the flavor. The flavor. The flavor. Do you savor the flavor of Eldraine, or does it leave perhaps a bit of a bitter taste in your British mouth? The, the bitter taste, okay, let's, let's, let's have a bone to pick with the community. I am kind of tired and sick of us constantly comparing it to Disney and Shrek. I get that it is comparable to Disney and Shrek. I well, get that. A, yeah. But I mean, like, that's not necessarily even a criticism, right? That's more of an observation, if anything. And we should then look beyond that to see what the set is like beyond that. You don't think that when you reveal a set like this to hundreds of thousands of people and an overwhelming number of those people are going to say that they feel that there are uh, uh, connections to the Shrek stuff is one thing, but Disney mm -hmm. saying that they're seeing Disney films and, and other Disney media represented in the cards, but that's not the community's fault. That perhaps isn't that the, the fault of who the people who were designing the flavor of this set and that maybe they should have said, we got to make sure that even if we do want to, you know, have like a little bit of Beauty and the Beast in here, yeah, that is, there is the old original folklore, but we want to make sure that this isn't just Disney's Beauty and the Beast, the card. Sure, sure. So, like, one of the points that I've been, I've been saying a little bit is that when, when people criticize the latest Star Wars films for having similar story beats to old Star Wars films, right, that isn't a fully-fledged, realized criticism of that movie. That's more of an observation, right? I mean, to go beyond that. But I think the issue we have is whether or not the references they're making, which are obvious references and allusions to old fairy tales and therefore the Disney uh, retellings of said fairy tales, are they too on the nose? That's where you're going with this. Right? Yes. So the, the the set that I'll compare it to is Original Innistrad. Uh, Original Innistrad is a set where they wanted to take horror themes and tropes and create a world around it. But 
they did so in a way that there was an organic living Magic the Gathering world where they didn't, one example that they said was that in very early development, I think it was actually Richard Garfield was like, how about Texas Chain Massacre, uh, Chainsaw Massacre, the card? And they're like, no, because you're not just gonna have a card that's Texas Chainsaw, a guy with a chainsaw uh, uh, in reference to Texas that. Chainsaw Massacre. Well, right. I think the problem is, is that I do feel with Eldraine that not entirely, but with the fairy tale half, and there are two halves to Eldraine. There is also the Arthurian uh, Legends half, which I think they did a much better job on, but I fear that they kind of were like, yeah, cool, chainsaw, the card, bloody chainsaw, the card, let's just do that, and that a lot of these cards you can get into, well, wait a second, that was actually a folklore originally, but I'm seeing the Disney moving more. They literally have a Monty Python card. Yeah, so some So you know that was on their mind. They're not just saying, wow, we went and we dove into ye old folklore and suddenly this mass media audience is just hearing, you know, Gaston, Gaston. But but actually, no, they were looking at, at more pop culture references. There's literally a Monty Python card. I agree, I agree. I think some of them are ham-fisted. There's no way of saying yeah. they're not, right? But I think, so, so the comparison, you said Innistrad, right? The, the one that I want to put out as Lorwyn, I think Lorwyn was much smarter in looking at European folklore and European myth and mythology and being like, we're going to do this much subtly. The problem, I think, isn't... Uh, we're talking about fault, right? Is it the community's fault? Is it Wizards' fault? There's a problem where Disney is perhaps such a cultural behemoth that's impossible now to detach the fairy tales of which they have pillaged, shall we say, over the last few years. You just don't do the Monty Python guard. Sure. Like, so, like, I, I say it's Wizards' fault. It's Wizards' fault that they could not... <laughs> control themselves and I get it and there was this kind of glee and I felt it too like when a lot of these cards were first being previewed uh, listen I, I wear my heart on my sleeve anyone who knows me knows that that the real professor uh, uh, really does wear his heart on his sleeve and I got swept up just like everyone else where it was like oh my god we got the, the seven dwarves and we got the gingerbread house and we got all of this and and then it started actually it was right around the, the Monty Python card was one too far for me and that's uh, the seven dwarves stuff like that and I started to realize, boy, I wish this had been more like Innistrad in terms of, I don't feel, I feel like Jace can walk around Innistrad, but I don't feel like Jace could walk around Eldraine. Well, I, I, I disagree with that. I'm, I'm very yeah. glad that Jace isn't walking around Innistrad well, and Eldraine. <laughs> what I mean is, is I don't feel <laughs> no, that sure. when I'm looking at half of these cards, I don't feel like they're a part of the, the magic world that but, we but know. But again, I think that the, 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 oh my God, it's Disney aspect. Ready Player Dis One. But it distracts from the more realized, the very well realized elements of the story, like the Arthurian stuff, right? right. Like the, the stories that like you can see in the art of the, the black court and the, and the white court and the red court. Those things are very distracted because everyone is so focused on there's an ogre knight who lives in the swamp and there's seven dwarves. And those cards are almost distracted because of the, the, the almost monolithic like nature of Disney now, right? Like, the, like, the, you can't escape. You, you cannot differentiate fairy tales from Disney anymore. That's just not a thing right. you can do. So I think those things distract from what I think is a very realized uh, backing story. But perhaps, like you said, they could have done well just to, because of that, because of that fact of how Disney is inescapable in that arena, they could have peeled back on the fairy tale a little bit. But meanwhile, I think Ginger Brute is like, the like, I think that's so fun and so flavorful that uh, I don't really mind. And also I don't mind a whimsical change of tone. We sat in these chairs we sat in these chairs and I was like, you know what? I want a break from the Gatewatch and the War oh, of the Spark yeah, and no. nonsense. And we got it. Garrick's back, sure. But we got whimsical, silly fairy tales. We got gingerbread golem men. And I'm like, you know what? I'm here for it. I am enjoying a palate cleansing, silly, whimsical flight through fairy tale nonsense. I even enjoyed Garrick's return. And that's coming from someone who hated Garrick as a character previously. Whoa. Uh, I, I, I did a video about why I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of Garrick as a character. I, I didn't think like he was poorly conceived. I was just like, I'm not on team Garrick. If you're on team Garrick, fine, I'm not. And then in uh, Throne of Eldraine, if you watched my story review, uh, uh, and Wait, this wasn't fleshed you, out. you have a YouTube channel? I have a YouTube channel. Well, that's the throwback to the beginning of the episode. Wait. I don't know that this really got conveyed in the flavor text of the cards, but Garrick's redemption in Eldraine, I'm on Team Garrick now. I was swept up in it. I, I was emotionally moved by it. Uh, uh, I really, it resonated. And it was a small part of the novel, but it was very well constructed. It, 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 I don't know that it, I need to reread some of the flavor text. I don't know that it's reflected as as well in the cards, unfortunately. So, but okay, I, I do like the, the the change to whimsy. I do like I like whimsy. I like fun. I wanted to go back to Lorwyn, uh, uh, but I just don't like 
the Ready Player One aspect of this that sure. is reference, 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 reference. Okay. And that's what I wish they had toned back. I am not saying don't give me whimsy. I am not saying don't give me something different. I am saying don't literally give me a Monty Python card or literally give me, you know, uh, the, uh, the da- you know, the, uh, uh, Lumiere, the dancing candlestick or, or Mickey Mouse has got a card. They, they, they get okay. the, the, the okay. sorcerer's. Oh, the broom, yeah, the broom. Okay. Come on, yeah. don't give me, and the comment section, well, actually, there's this old thing, like, come on, they took it from, it's Fantasia, the card, and, and well, That's my point, they, you can't, I wish you they cannot hadn't done that. detach fairy tale. You, you don't, you, you take the spirit of that, like they did in Innistrad, and you create a fleshed out organ. Let me ask you this, we returned to Innistrad, can you really see how we could, re- we, we, we used up our supply, how are we gonna return to Eldraine and have, we're gonna be walking around, we can't have the seven dwarves again. You can, because you like subvert it, I guess, with the next step, right? I guess. But like, but, but that's the point, with Innistrad, you've got horror tropes, and horror tropes just aren't as enigmatic or as well-known, let's say. I mean, they obviously are. Like, like, like I did a bit in a video recently where I explained the, the origins of the Delver Secrets. People are like, huh, I didn't even know there's a film called The Fly, where you can't go, oh, did you know about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? And people are like, yeah, everyone knows, right? It's inescapable. So the only argument, I guess, would be to peel back so far that you're at Lawwin level, which should get some people found inaccessible in some ways. Sure. Do you feel that the uh, uh, tone and flavor of Eldraine, whether you like it or not, may not be as engaging to potential new players or to bringing back uh, former players as, say, something like a Zendikar or Innistrad or Ravnica theme where we're seeing things like vampires and adventure uh, mm-hmm, in a, mm-hmm. I mean, Zendikar is the adventure plane. Yep. And they've even promised us because they finally got it through their heads that what everybody loved about Zendikar was the adventure aspect. And they literally even said in revealing- yeah. Rosewater literally said. Said, literally don't said. worry, Zen, it's the Zendikar you love. You're gonna go f- be on a D&D campaign in it essentially, which is great. I look forward to the D&D compendiums that they they've might that, for Zendikar. That, that although war never changes, no one wants eternal war, right? Because the, the, the oh, trope that we get in the majority of magic sets is Frexian versus Mirren, uh, Eldrazi versus non-Eldrazi, uh, like all these war oh, stories, agree. right? And we don't want that anymore. We want more interesting stuff. And the original Zendikar was interesting like that because it was Indiana Jones moving the rock. The rock. But again, I guess your argument is, the way that Eldraine has been, if we went back to the next Zendikar set, will you be really annoyed if there's a guy in the brim hat with a whip taking a golden Yeah, I would actually. Yeah, but, me, but, me too. Right. Well, <laughs> so well I actually, I think that's that. a really good example is like the people who are excited. Uh, well, I don't want to say that because I don't want to start being like, you shouldn't like this. You should. Sure. I'm glad. I want you to like it. I got swept up in it. I'd like to get swept up in it again. I don't want to, I never want to yuck anyone's yum, but I do feel that that if I'm going to look at Eldraine, I do feel that it is not as organic an integration of its themes, in my opinion, as say Innistrad was of its themes or Lorwyn or Zendikar were of their themes. And I don't know that the artwork and feel and flavor and packaging and just what the public is seeing for the non-already enfranchised player is as appealing as like the Zendikar hedrons spreading out across, sure. you know, the landscape. Uh, uh, Innistrad had so, record numbers of people going, that looks amazing. And I don't know, we're laughing our butts off at, at a couple of gingerbread people dancing around and then grabbing a knife to exact revenge. But it feels like insider jokeism. That's why I made the Ready Player One illusion where it's but like I reference, don't know reference. If it's insider joke. So, so I, I agree with you. Now that yeah. we've actually talked about a bit and we talked about like how Zendikar captured adventure before without literally having a, a proxy or simulacrum of like Indiana Jones, I get where you're coming from and I can agree with that. I think they were more well-realized or more subtle, but I don't see that necessarily a fault, like the whole tonal shift, right? Right. But at the same time, I don't know if it's inside jokes because surely Disney is the most mass appeal place you can go to. That's fair. And you are right in saying perhaps, and I've seen posts like this and then I won't won't say where and things, I don't want to give too much service to that, but people getting angry and saying, I don't want to play standard anymore because I don't want I don't want silly gingerbread men and stuff. And I think that's a bit of a... a I have quick, people? I haven't seen people I, saying that. I've seen people say they want to buy it, sell out of standard because of how much they dislike the flavor. And that is fine. Like, some people will not like it. But I think Magic is going towards a place where it's trying to go as mass appeal as possible. And whether you like that or not is not, I guess, the conversation for today, right? But I think Disney and fairy tales are a good place to be like, hey, kids, look, here's some funny whimsical... I mean, they want kids to get involved. They want... 
They want people who find these things cute and adorable to get involved. It can't always be mm -hmm. dark, grim, fantasy, and war, right? But no, I don't think it needs to be dark and grim. I do think it there fantasy is is going to play a strong role, and we have that in the fairy tale. I believe when I saw the first five artworks that came out, I said I feel <laughs> the irony of me joking about being grim and dark, and like the fairy tales of the grim. But that's uh, right. Yeah, that's pretty silly. <laughs> Very yeah. clever. Yeah, no, 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 no. I wasn't laughing at my own joke. That's what I was getting at. I was thinking, oh, actually, maybe the irony is that they're meant to be grim and dark, and they're not in this case. They're just like uh, yeah. baseless references. I don't don't go that. Yeah. Like, like here's one, right? Which we'll come to with cards. There's a claustrophobia reprint in this. The blue, blue one type right. of creature. Keep it tapped. And instead of getting claustrophobia and showing Snow White's proxied character in the story trapped inside a coffin, not able to get out, similar to Innistrad, right? They just they just renamed it with a the proxy um a functional reprint, which is like slumbering sleep or something. Right. With a dragon being asleep. I'm like, I kind of want the 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 darker, oh, someone trapped in a coffin or a glass casket, which is another card in the set. Mm -hmm. They could have gone grimmer. So in some ways, and magic isn't afraid to go grim sometimes. They've actually gone less grim with Grimm's fairy tales, which makes it almost more Disney in that sense, right? Because Disney wouldn't show someone suffocating in the coffin, would they? Not modern Disney. Well, Disney had some dark streaks to it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Fantasia itself is a messed up movie. So right? are you saying you feel that Eldraine might be suffering from being, I'm going to use a very broad kind of expression, but a little too cutesy poo? Yeah. 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 Literally, instead of going, here's claustrophobia. We've gone, here's charm sleep. It's literally right. the best example of it in the set, I think. Right, right. I can see that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how sales do. We never have a really clear picture of this, but one thing that we can look to is how much we start hearing about Eldraine after the fact. A popular set is one that we go back to and say, see characters yeah. from. If we ever returned in five years, we knew Eldraine was successful, right? Sure. I mean, we're already <laughs> going back to Theros. I feel like Theros wasn't even that long ago. No, yeah. But exactly. it, it was because I'm old. <laughs> Uh, I'm only 21, so I don't remember Thales very well. I was too young, you said. <laughs> Speaking of the legacy of Eldraine, I want to talk about Eldraine cards and the legacy that the actual cards might have in our favorite non-standard, non-draft formats. Uh, Vince, do you want to start out or should I? I'll start. So I've already mentioned it, so let's get this out of the way. I think Glass Casket is a, a card that we'll see play in modern. It's a two-mana artifact that is basically an oblivion ring for an opponent's creature so, it, so when it enters the battlefield, it exiles target creature and opponent controls of three CMC or less. And the reason I'm naming this card is because it's the first time we've ever had an effect like this on an artifact, which means in decks like Wurza, which is currently dominating modern formats, I'll say dominating, being a dominating force or a good deck in modern, um, <laughs> I went from dominating to good. <laughs> Very less sure of myself. But either way, Wur can now go and get an answer to something like a Collector Oof, for example. Right. So we're seeing cards already that showing up that are... A, very, very unique, and B, give decks like Warzone out to a card that normally would completely hose it. So I think we're going to see that. That's a very specific example, but we're going to see Warzone playing this card because it's so unique in what it does. It's funny that you should bring up Wurza because I mentioned Wurza in like, I think three of my five top modern picks video. And it's like, this will go good in Wurza. This will go good in Wurza. This will go good in Wurza. You know why? Because Wurza's good and Throne of Eldraine is pushed. Yes. Cutesy poo art on a few cards, perhaps pushed mechanics most definitely. And artifacts are just good, right? So like, uh, one of the things I'm excited to see as well, when I'm going to let you have your cards in a moment, but I'm going to talk for a second, I guess. Uh, Sorcerer's Spyglass is back. They're reprinting again with a merfolk in the art, which is great great for people who like crap blue decks in modern. Um, but Sorcerer's Spyglass is a toy that we get to play with forevermore. Hopefully it's going to be hopefully in standard for a lot longer as they keep reprinting it. And I like this idea that they're going to keep putting cards into, into standard that will deal with things like mini teferis and other creatures that or, or, or problematic permanents, smugglers, copters, and all these sort of things. Because we need universal answers, and that's kind of what core sets always gave us, right? We always had Wrath of Gods and key removal spells like Terror when they were good, right? So Source of Spyglass getting reprinted shows that they might be willing to keep a, a Pithing Needle style, a Pithing Needle style effect in standard. And I think that's a very, very good idea. It's, it's, a, it's a good um, uh, valve to stop Planeswalkers, for example, from dominating formats. So I'm glad to see Source of Spyglass back with slightly better art, in my opinion, although I do hate Murphy. Why didn't they reprint this in Corset then? Why don't, Very this, this is point. what I want. This is maybe another dies to removal, but what I want corsets to be are apparently very different than what Wizards of the Coast wants them to be. And I want them to be something like 50% reprints 
of cards like where it's like these, like you said, these are the cards that are always in standard, mm -hmm. Pithing Needle, Doomblade, whatever, and maybe that'll shift a little bit, but maybe that would be bad for sales. I don't know, they used to be 100% reprints and sales were good. It's so. tough, it's tough, right? Because like, I agree with you. It'd be a great place to stick some fetch lands at some point, right, to get their price down. Oh, oh, <laughs> But at oh. the same time, like M20 and M19 were really exciting and pretty cool for core sets. So like, do I want loads of reprints and then no one really plays the set, or do I want I want a cool new set of new cards. It's hard. It's hard to balance that, right? Am I giving wizards? Am I giving wizards a really easy time? If I just am I giving wizards a really hard time? Maybe that's the best dynamic to have. All right, there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, one card that I really want to talk about is called Hushbringer, which is a generic and a white mana. That's that's a white card, Brian. Yes. I want to talk about the white cards. Well, I want. That's my thing. That's my shtick. That's you. I would hope you have more to your identity than just likes white cards. Being British and having, and having a, beard a beard and liking white cards. So it's a fairy with flying and lifelink, and it reads: creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. I feel like we see these cards so much from wizards. Mm -hmm. I feel like there have been so many previous cards. Hush wing griff. Hush is in the title of a lot of them. I guess it's a hush effect that yes, silence we silences them silences them. We, they want to create these kind of hosers. Containment Priest, that one worked. <laughs> yeah, but I believe Containment Priest should be printed into modern, but that's a whole different discussion. That's a whole different discussion, but I see this. When I saw this card, I immediately thought, here, Wizards goes again. This is not a card that was necessarily made for standard. I can see some standard applications, but they want to try and reel in modern in some way, yeah, keep yeah. modern under control, and here we go. And so the question that I have for you is, is is this going to help in modern at all in terms of keeping some of the more degenerate decks uh, uh, in check? In check. One of the things that we did talk about actually about Throne of Eldraine is that I'm annoyed at Throne of Eldraine because I thought, I, I recall a tweet from someone or somewhere that white was going to get a new part to its color identity to differentiate in Commander, right? And we didn't get anything like that. All white does from Wizards' perspective is police modern. So, so stony silences and rest in right. pieces and like bears that make other people's games miserable. Now, I love playing decks that involve those cards, but it's kind of the only thing that White ever does anywhere in Magic. And this card is the most powerful version of that we've seen so far. So we had uh, Takali Onagar that right. did this. We had Hushwin Griff that did this. There seems to be every two sets or three sets, they're like, we better print one of these just in case, I don't know, another Reflector Mage shows up, right? Because that card was obnoxious and things like that. So this one does not only what those cards does, but stops death triggers. So they're like, oh, this those cards didn't see any play. I guess we'll... We'll stick another hateful effect onto this one. And it's a one-two Florence. And the art looks like an end your album cover. Just to just throw out an interesting point there. I do like the art on this one. Yeah, oh, like me too. And it's, it's 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 kind of ethereal and weird and and I like it when magic starts to get weird with this art. So this card is very good and I can see myself playing it, but it's an it's frustrating to see white consigned to being good sideboard cards as it often is. Well, speaking of good sideboard cards in white, I actually want to piggyback on another... Are you taking another one of mine? I'm taking another white card that is another good sideboard card in white. And that card is Deafening Silence. It's white. That's it. One white for an enchantment. Each player can't cast more than one non-creature spell each turn. It really hoses Storm, and that's good because Storm is one of the best budget decks in modern, so we got to get rid of that. I mean, you can put a modern Storm deck together for a couple hundred bucks. Now... We got a great hose for it. And again, this like further centering to my point, right? Like white gets cool sideboard cards and then like the white legendary is the worst one of the set. <laughs> like this card is really, really good. I think I, I think I like it even more in Legacy than Modern because the, the problem is like, so Death and Taxes, for example, I know I mentioned that deck a lot before you make that riff, but the deck is great but and it has good matchups against combo decks, but often it dies to decks that kill it too quickly. This is a one CMC answer to combo decks. And I'm talking like anything from Char Belcher right up to Storm. You just play this on turn one, and eventually they can bounce it or maybe destroy it with a Crocin Grip or similar, but it means it gives you loads and loads of time and you don't just pass the turn and die because that can sometimes happen in older formats. So yeah, it's very good against Storm. It does things like Snapcaster Mages can't cast things out of the graveyard. You can't uh, opt or brainstorm into a Terminus. There's loads of applications for this card. And before we've seen it a lot on Creatures, this is another effect we've seen on Creatures. Originally on Enchantment, a three mana one, but a lot on creatures. This means you can play on turn one and suddenly they're a braid that's in hand or they're, they're fatal push that's in hand. They're like, oh, I'm ready to kill your hate bear. And they're like, oh no, this is a one mana enchantment that hoses me and now I've got to dig deep or find a different answer. So yeah, this card is legitimately good. And I'm going to be probably playing two of this in my sideboards of my legacy deck for a little while. 
I might go down in numbers, but yeah, I'm well excited for this. It's probably my, the card I'm going to play the most out of the entire set, even if it's kind of a bit underwhelming in its effect. It's deceptively good. I, th I like that you referred to it as a kind of a snooze alarm that you can throw down. Yes, mm -hmm. they, they can find a way to remove it eventually, but especially in older formats, you're going so fast that that delay is all that you need oh, to get your own deck unfurled on the board state in front of your opponent. And then you you play the new Hush card as well, the new the Hush Wing Fairy thing, and you're just laying up the hate. Talk about turn one into turn two. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, do you think it's really going to see, you said, do you, you think it's yeah, going to see Yeah, I, I think this card is going to be very, very good in Legacy, potentially modern playable too. Um, in modern, there's less spell-based combo decks than Legacy, but Legacy, there's multiple versions of Storm, there's turn one combo decks. All you need to do is win the die roll, or in this case, lose game one, then sideboard into it and play on turn one. So yeah, I'm well excited for this card. All I right. can't believe they put it in it. I feel like it's incredibly pushed. But So I uh, just did two white cards. I'm sure there's other white cards that you want oh, to yeah, talk about. Oh yeah, best card in the set, Blue Merfolk. Uh, the name is Emery... Sorry, the... I'm sorry. Did you say blue and what? A, a Blue Merfolk. Merfolk is my bit. I, I know, but it's I like... It's my thing. I also, it's my thing's also liking good cards, and this is probably the best card in the set. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> so Emery, Lurk of the Lock, is a three-mana legendary creature, a Merfolk wizard, but it isn't three-mana for long. This spell costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. And when Emery, Lurk of the Lock, enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. Bit of a weird effect, but the next line, because this, this card has so much text on it, tap it... Choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. You, you have to still pay its cost and everything, but you get to you get to play things out of your graveyard that Emery has put in there through her her, her trigger. Uh, so this card is basically going to be one blue mana every time it's cast because you play it in again Wurza decks. Or I recently did a video on my YouTube channel of paradox, paradoxical outcome Urza, and you're going to have two artifacts in play. You have Mox Opals, Mox Ambers, Dark Steel Citadels, any of these very cheap or zero CMC artifacts. You know, play for one blue, and suddenly you can now you can now tap your opal for mana, play another opal, sacrifice the opal, play tap that for mana, and bring the other opal back. And suddenly you've just you've just dark ritualed out of zero out of zero mana artifact. It's crazy. There's it's crazy. a lot of amazing combos that you can enable with this, and you're <laughs> right. True. It might as well just be one blue. I mean, this is one blue mana to bring this into play. And I've got two words for you: Urza's Bobble. Yeah, the, the, the value is the same. You can draw cards off of Urza's Bobbles, you can generate huge amounts of mana, and then later down the line, she's just an engine for you to dump that mana into like resurrecting huge artifacts out of your graveyard in Commander, or just hitting your like utility stuff in like Wurza. The card is obscene, and this is the other card alongside Deafening Silence where I was like, I'm surprised this saw print. Especially after we've just had Urza himself, who's probably the best card in what Hokak has gone in modern from Modern Horizons. I'm like, how can they keep printing good blue legendary creatures that interact with artifacts like this. Well, I mean, the synergy there I don't think is a coincidence. I think simply the dominance that we've seen from cards like Urza was maybe a little bit more than they wanted, certainly with Hogak, a lot more than they wanted. And so when you say, I can't believe they printed this right after Urza, I say, I think they fully intended to. They wanted that bridge between the pieces and to have them go together. The trick is, is the power level going to be too much? I think Urza is already starting to be the new best deck in modern. Uh, I like it. It's also crazy powerful and might need, I mean, modern is just so inherently so, broken. So, yeah, it it's like just... every day, what are we banning in modern? What are we banning in modern? <laughs> well, this is, so it's interesting you mentioned bans because obviously the, the, the two real hot contenders are Ancient Stones and Mox Opal. And this seems like a card that's like to make Mox Opal even better, right? Like mm -hmm. we don't need more things to make Mox Opal good. Mox Opal is a very good magic card that already frustrates people. Oh, this uh, ancient, ancient Stirrings needs a ban. Well, once upon a time, they released a card that will slide <laughs> in as a really great replacement should Stirrings be banned, wouldn't you say? Do you believe that's the case? Do you believe that's what they're intending? No. Oh, mm, ah, nah, I thought you were asking something else. Is that what they're intending? I don't know if I give them that much credit on, on, on that level. Like, I think they, they're too blunt in their, their, when they do ban things. They're, they're too disjointed in that. I don't think they'd say, okay, let's design the perfect, slightly worse, Ancient Stirrings, uh, uh, release it, and then ban it, so that it, you really, you think... Are you, you think, sure? Because we had Faithless Looting banned, 
and then that's coincide true. with that. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think they did that either. But we got maybe, that, that, maybe, that okay. adventure card. You know I, what? Now that you mention it, maybe. I just keep thinking about things like them printing oh. Splinter Twin in Modern Masters. Yeah, and then no, banning, I, I you know. agree with you completely. But like, And I would have been on that train until I saw that. Unbanning, they unbanned Stoneforge, but then they didn't print it in uh, <laughs> any of the recent reprint uh, sets, and so now it's a hundred bucks. I'm, I'm calling it right now. Whatever comes out at the end of this year, whatever thing they announce to bump their quarter four numbers, Stoneforge will be reprinted in there. One hundred percent. I'm calling this now. It's not only reprinted in it; they're going to escalate it up to mythic. Oh, because we don't want that to go for less than a hundred bucks. Sure, and the I just traded a scalding tarn for a uh, uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> the, card, the card feels mythic. How crazy is mythic. that? Um, this is getting back to uh, Emery. Yeah. She is incredibly powerful, definitely pushed. I think she could end up on the discussion of banned cards. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, Once Upon a Time does not by itself replace Ancient Stirrings. I think it augments Ancient Stirrings really nicely, and I think it will be run alongside of it. Those are my, we were kind of talking about two different yeah, cards of course, there. Of course. But the, those are my thoughts on the cards is I, I think Emery, I'm not going to say she's ban worthy, but she's going to be one of the cards you hear people yeah. bring up Her, as, as or Mox the Opal are going to be a discussion together. I right, think. right. Um, on the topic of Once Upon a Time, there is a really fun modern deck that hasn't been so good yet called Seven Land Belcher. Char Belcher is a scary deck in Legacy because without Force of Will, it just kill you on turn one. There's nothing you can do about it. The modern version has been like a bit of a meme. I should be, I'm going to make some videos about this deck because I think it's very fun. And what it does, it needs to dig for lands. And Once Upon a Time might be the last card it needs just to give it that extra kick where it doesn't need to land its opening hand. So you never know. You might see people moaning on Twitter in about two weeks' time about seven land belchers just randomly belching them out of no one turn two or three. So. I think that'd be a lot of fun if that, that deck <laughs> solidifies. I always root for those decks that are just on, that's, you know, jokes aside why I like Merfolk, why I like a lot of my favorite modern decks are all these tier two or sometimes lower decks that you just wish it could get that one piece to push it forward and to be a real contender. And, and that's what's a lot of fun is that you're always brewing it yourself, playing around with it. You always, every merfolk player thinks he or she is going to figure out the way to crack the merfolk code. And this will be what does it. It's not Emery. Emery's going in Wurza, not merfolk. Important point. She is a merfolk, but she's just... The, 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 the no, no need, no yeah, need you, for you her you've got Aether Vials that you can get back, but that doesn't really nah, do anything. No, no, uh, no, no. Sometimes might Wurza. be good in, in near fall. That's another deck where it's so close to being the most broken thing doable. And again, once upon a time, might just push Neoform yeah, over the Neoform, edge. Uh, Neoform is pretty, pretty potent It's a very already. scary deck. Yeah. But it just, it folds on itself. Right. A few more cards. So since we're in modern, before we start talking commander and, mm -hmm. and some other formats, I want to ask you about the questing beast. So the questing beast is two generic green and another green for a legendary creature, a beast. It has vigilance. It has death touch. It has haste. And questing beast can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. But wait, there's more. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. Fog you? Oh, no. Fog you. Whenever Questing Beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that player controls. So that, that does is that, a, is that it? Th yeah. <laughs> is that all? It does it. That does a lot. That does a lot. It looks like a bad Especially card. the 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 defogging. Like like you no, you can't fog. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what came back recently that everyone seems to hate, but this card really really doesn't care about is protection. Right. So if you if you so there's a card called Trunian Nemesis and Legacy that's kind of frustrating to play against. If someone blocks the Trunian Nemesis as this attacks you, the Trunian Nemesis dies because the protection doesn't prevent the damage. Right. So there's going to be a lot of bad blowout moments where people learn this. You know when you bought a Goyf the first time and be like, oh no, what have I done? People are going to block with their Trunian Nemesis thinking it's going to survive all their protection from green creatures that are in standard. And then it just dies and they're like, oh, does it? This card is absurd. And also the whole killing a Planeswalker and hitting them thing, that's definitely because they knew that War the Spark had some saucy cards in it. Right, but that's still going to be really nice in formats like Modern, where yeah, there I are think, plenty of pesky Planeswalkers. Yeah, I think it's a good card for Modern. I think it's a very good card for Legacy as well. I think it's a very... It might be a cyborg card, but it's just going to come out of nowhere and just wreck control decks because you can't... Your, your creature's just going to die to it because it, it kills... It trades up for everything because of the Death Touch, literally everything. And like I said, like Trillion Nemesis, the most problematic and most difficult card to deal with can't deal with this. Right. This card is one of the best control killers I think we've seen in a long time. And I think it's a full trifecta because there's lots of reasons to run it in your commander decks. Uh, not You don't even have to be in, even though it's double green, you don't have to be in mono green. And so it's one of my favorite type of cards because it 
is gonna see modern play. I didn't include it in my top five. It was very close, but it's definitely in the top 10. And of modern, I, I agree with you about legacy, and I can see a lot of commander players running it. I love these trifecta cards that go in all three. Uh, price. Is that a mythic? I assume so. Yeah. Okay. So we're seeing this return to mythics being uh, really pushed. We had a time when like they started like Glorybringer, right? Glorybringer was a rare, right? So they they were good at putting the the constructor staples and like Teferi three, I guess as well, in the rare slot. But some of these mythics are absurd. Absolutely. Like Okay, I'm gonna get my two white cards in before you steal them. Okay. Uh, firstly, you have two at two at once. Uh, uh, yeah, two You're at once. Do two, two at once. Two at once. Two All right. One is a once. real quick thing. It's a cube card. Realm Cloaks Giant is a five mana destroy all non-giant creatures as an adventure, and then you can cast as a seven mana seven seven with vigilance afterwards. Two turns later. Are you seven. are you are you screwing with me? No, I'm being serious. This is a cube. Card. No, no, no. I meant are you screwing with me because this was my preview card. Oh. And before we got started, you on it. So before we got started, he asks me, honestly, this isn't a joke. He just says, did you not get a preview card for Eldraine? I, I, didn't, I didn't see you do a preview video. I'm like, yeah, I got a preview card. I did a preview video. And, and, so this is, my, have, this is my preview okay. video hotshot. I, I watched your preview videos. I didn't, I didn't watch the, 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 the book review yet. A, I was flying to Canada. Right, so B, you, you, have, to re you have to read to watch your yeah, book Yeah, exactly, and video. books are for nerds. Right. No, this card is an absolute gas cube card. It might be the best five-mana wrath we've ever seen for cube because not only does it wrath your board, but then afterwards you just play as a huge threat once the board is clear and just hit them with it. It's not that exciting for anything else. Maybe commander, a five-mana wrath that can then become a body is pretty good. Buying cube, I'm I'm hoping well, I'm hoping the, the Modo cubes have this in it because I'm looking forward to blowing everyone's stuff up, playing this 7-7 seven, seven, and just riding to victory. I didn't I generally did not tell realize. tell the truth. You just <laughs> wanted to know what it would feel like to be able to comment on like a mythic preview card that, that was. That is good. true. I didn't get a preview card this time around. You didn't get one, no. Not a single I, one. I wouldn't know because I don't even watch your channel. So But uh, yeah. I did get the pre pre release, that was pretty good. That, that, yeah, that's a nice consolation <laughs> prize. I mean the card that should have been my preview card is Charming Prince. Oh yes. Yes. So Charming Prince is a two-mana human noble. It is a 2-2. Two -two. When it enters the battlefield, it does one of three things. So it's literally a charm. It's a perhaps on-the-nose reference, as we talked about earlier, right? It scries two, or it gains you three life, or exile another target creature you own and return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. I don't see why this should be your preview card. You're neither charming nor, well, you're not charming. I come from the land of nobles. I mean, you don't have them here, right? You have right. no history at all. But um, it is definitely charming. It's definitely charming. I am charming. I am charming. I'm the most charismatic man you know. Yeah, you're all right. The, the card is basically a discount flicker wisp that has loads of random utility. Mm -hmm. So this is... What happens once post-spoiler season, they spoil a card that might be a Death and Taxes card, then people start messaging me and tweeting it at me, and this was the one, because it's really versatile. So you're going to be able to like reset your ETB triggers, your end-of-the-battlefield triggers, like Eternal Witnesses and Blade Splices and Flicker Wisps, or other charming princes. You can start looping them and stuff. Gains life against burn strategies, or it just smooths out your draws, which I said earlier, right? White hasn't got anything new in its color identity, but giving it creatures that can scry upon entering the battlefield early on allows you to smooth out your curve in a, in a deck where you don't normally get that selection in white. The card is just super versatile, really cool. The whole charm thing I think is cool. You, how do you feel about the whole charming prince being a charm? Is that too on the nose for you? Actually, that's the sort of thing I think that's really clever. Uh, okay. But it also does fall into what I mentioned earlier about that's sort of what I meant by insider, where sure. a, 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 an outsider or a casual magic player or someone new or returning to the game might not pick up on that delicious pun that is in there for magic players well, who understand what that means. Yes, that too. <laughs> they will, And they will get that Disney reference. Do you know what is really cool about this card and a few other cards in the set is that from the Disney references or from the fairy tales, the traditional um, card that answers that part of the story works. So, for example, when a card is Charmed Sleep, the card we talked about earlier, someone's been cast to a slumber like Sleeping Beauty, what Charming Prince can do, come along is come and kiss and wake that card up by bouncing it, uh, flickering it out and bring it back. Every card, yes, every card in the set that is part of the same story can undo the bad thing. So Trapped in a Tower is another one. The Charming Prince can come and save someone for being trapped in a tower. And it goes on and on and on. There's loads of references like this. I think that's really cool. I think that's mechanical. No, 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 it is. Listen, I, none of my complaints ab earlier in our discussion were about uh, it being simplistic okay. or, or, or not well thought out. I just uh, I kind of flinched at what I saw as some of the more derived from Disney references. Sure. 
uh, that were in there or just more contemporary stuff. I obviously didn't like the Monty Python thing, but we set our bit on that. Moving on, uh, I want to talk about a card that I think popper players are going to like. The card is an island called Mystic Sanctuary. Mystic Sanctuary enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other islands. When Mystic Sanctuary enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library. And this is, of course, a common. This card sounds genuinely very good. Yes. Genuinely. And it's a common, which is pretty wild. One of the problems we have in Papa right now is trouble with a little white card called Ephemerate. Why are you taking all the white cards from me, Brian? Well, that's not from this set, so. Yeah. Yes. But uh, it's running rampant and creating all kinds of flicker loops uh, for these Astrolabe decks. And this, I feel, is just adding some more recursion to what is already the overpowering archetype of the format. A lot of people are saying they want to see Astrolabe banned because it makes these cards just too easy and provides too much of a draw. But I actually think Ephemerate is one of the bigger problems, Mm -hmm. especially because it has rebound. When I saw this, I thought, oh my God, it's going right in to those Ephemerate decks. It's going to be very easy to have three islands in play in even multicolor popper decks by the time that you want to be casting this no or word, not casting it, playing it. No word of a lie. I think this card has a home in Legacy. Really? Where in Legacy? So the, the deck that has the most basic lands in the format is Miracles. It plays lots of, lots of oh. islands and lots of planes. Also a very good budget entry as well because you don't actually need any dual lands necessarily. It also plays a little card called Terminus. I'm sorry. Any what lands? Dual lands. Dual lands? Dual lands? Oh, I thought you said jewel lands. I did say jewel lands. No, no. Jewel? Dual. Jewel? Jewel, like the jewel of the Nile. Right. So did you say jewel? Like anyway. My, no, no, no. Which did you say? <laughs> I think I said du- jewel. Did jewel? you say duel like I challenge you to a duel? Or did you say jewel like I'm wearing a very pretty jewel? One of those, yeah. Anyway, this deck also plays, it also plays a card that's called Terminus, which is better when it's on top of your library, right? So like a land that puts Terminus back on top of your library after you cast, it doesn't seem that great, right? this is a fetchable land. It's an island. So you can reset your terminus to the top of your library with a flooded strand in your opponent's end step, knowing full well when you go to your turn, you draw your first card. Oh, it's terminus. Who put the terminus there? And suddenly their board is on the bottom of their library and they're kind of sacked. They've got terminus twice now. I generally think as a one-off, this could be a very good card of miracles. I'm all for that because I'm a Merfolk player in Legacy, dull surprise, and Merfolk has a really good matchup against miracles. So miracles getting to be... Uh, uh, but, will, but will the matchup be very good if uh, they're terminusing you multiple times off of fetch lands? Probably not. <laughs> then it would be less good. But I see what you mean. Good. Yeah. What I mean is, is that if more players are playing miracles, then they see, oh my God, you're actually on Merfolk, and they go... Oh. You can prey on them, exactly. Yes, but yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see common lands be that good. Yeah. I think it's definitely 100% the best one of that cycle as well. But the cycle's pretty good for limited and stuff. It's neat. It's neat. Now, do you think this might be hinting because it is an island itself and it is part of a cycle. Uh, people are saying return to Zendikar. They're going to do what they should have done last time, which is reprint actual fetch lands in our upcoming return to Zendikar. Yeah. This is a signpost for that. Or I'm going to offer you the professor's cynical take. The professor's cynical take. We're going to get not quite fetch lands. We're going to get watered down fetch lands that will still be able to fetch for like an island or planes, but they're not going to actually reprint Scalding Tarn, et cetera. I think they're going to reprint Scalding Tarn. All right. Well, we're going to find out soon enough. Uh, On that note, there's a fetch land in this set, right? We've got the um, the, the Sacred Passage or Fabled Passage or whatever. That's the, right. The slightly better Revolving Wilds, but I think this does show that they... I know the problem with them last time was that the mana bases were too good mm-hmm. and they've complained about too much shuffling in standard. But, like, why are they printing these fetch lands? Like, because there's no sets? more competitive uh, play on camera <laughs> using paper cards for it to slow down uh, people's enjoyment. Because sure. now that we don't actually show competitive paper play, who cares if people are shuffling? I mean, that's a very cynical way of looking at it, but you might be right, to be honest. But I generally think this is a good indication that they may be willing to put fetch lands back in once the shocks fe- uh, rotate out. And on top of that, they have printed shot lands three times in a row in the Ravnica blocks, right? And those are good cards to push for standard packs. And they do like to sell standard packs. So 
They got to reprint Fetchland somewhere, Brian. I know that. Zendikar is the best place for it. Yes, but we were just at Zendikar and they didn't reprint them in Zendikar. They didn't reprint them in the Zendikar block where they made the most amount of mistakes they've ever made in a block <laughs> ever. But they just they just they just dropped the ball in every possible way. Except for expeditions, which were really cool, which is why that set sold. It's tr that is true, but then they realized, oh, why don't we put those in boxes and sell them for lots and lots of money? And then they realized, why don't we just sell the boxes without even them? But that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. What is our next card, Vince? I played a very fun uh, tier two deck recently called Combo Goblins in Modern. And the deck has lots of combo kills using things like Rhythm of the Wild, which was recently printed. Mm -hmm. The problem was that recently we got things like Goblin Matron and Goblin Ringleader all printed into standard, through standard, into modern, and these cards uh, fetch up goblins. And Rhythm of the Wild is not a goblin. But now we have Grumgully, this new legendary goblin who could be your commander as well. But this guy is a goblin that does the Rhythm of the Wild thing. It puts counters on non-human, not just goblin, non-humans that come into play. What this means is if you have a murderous red cap and a sacrifice outlet, you can infinitely loop that murderous red cap and shoot your opponent to death. If you have a Skirk Prospector, another recently printed, obviously recently, Dominaria was probably years ago now, but it feels recent, recently printed Goblin, you can get infinite mana with any persist creature that isn't a human. This card makes that deck that I was playing go, oh, this is kind of cool and fun. This might be a legitimate deck where you can cord company or just matron your way into this combo and kill people. I am excited to play Grumgully in Modern. I too am excited to play Grumgully in Modern. I do not share your optimism that this is going to push it forward into uh, the top tiers of the format, especially not with Wurza in play, but I think that it looks like a really fun, silly deck. And it's, again, it's the sort of decks that I love, especially because you pull it out, you start doing your thing and your opponent goes, what the hell am I looking at yeah. here? Because they are not used to seeing this and it has a chance to put up a fight and win a few rounds. I don't know that this is going to enable that deck. I actually think Grumgully could be a lot of fun in Commander as well. Uh, uh, it, it's a neat card. It was definitely one that got my attention. Artwork's really neat on it too. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be a slightly different style than what we're seeing in the other regular Eldraine cards. I don't know if that's just the color palette or anything. But there's something the unique technical. to him as a, as a goblin because I think all the goblins in Eldraine are the, the red caps, right? They're right. Like wearing like armor with bloodied hats and stuff and he's like some sort of like, um, what's, the, what's the druid from uh, The Hobbit who's like running around Gandalf. No, not Gandalf. I know Gandalf. The one who's like Gandalf, but he likes Oh, the, the one that was played by a former Doctor Who yes. actor. Yeah, you should Yes, know Sylvester McCoy. He played yeah. the seventh Doctor. Rumgo looks just like Sylvester McCoy. And the seventh Doctor actually uh, was the longest serving person in the role of Doctor Who, if you count that during its cancellation. Oh no, we've done it. We've broken him. He's, he's just gone into he's just gone into clues. And he had, was still the doctor. He did audio dramas, big Finnish uh, productions, and then he was in the telemovie where he passed over the torch. Unsubscribe to Doctor he, Who facts. He Brian. regenerated. Into, Unsubscribe to Doctor Who facts. Into Paul McGann. Yes, Grumgold is pretty pretty cool. Paul McGann came back for the fiftieth anniversary. Goodness anyway. Gracious me. Well, there's a specific card that's coming our way, uh, technically Throne of Eldraine, though it's got a little asterisk next to it that I feel we should talk about. It's the elephant in the room, or rather I should say the arcane signet in the room. Hmm, brawl, eh? Brawl. So arcane signet is going to be included only in the brawl decks. Uh, is it, it might, in the collector's boosters? It might be boosters? in the collector's boosters. Nobody really can know for certain. <laughs> What's in the collector's boosters? You can read Mark Rosewater's article on it and then uh, uh, Be equally few, as confused. have a few drinks of your favorite uh, uh, intoxicant and read it again and see if it makes more sense. Uh, uh, can't really seem to nail down what's in or not in those collector's boosters, but we do know it's in the Brawl decks. It's currently going for $35 each. Well, sorry, which is so, what the Brawl decks so, are going for because the only reason anybody's buying the Brawl decks is to get the Arcane Signet. Well, the the, 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 the Bant Command is also very, very good. He's in regular packs. Is he? I don't think he is. Oh, no, he's not? Shulane isn't in regular packs? No, according to Mythic Spoiler, he's not. Oh, so, uh, this is this is a whole <laughs> other discussion. Or maybe we should talk about this because we're talking about Eldraine. I, I, I am not joking. I'm not throwing shade at, at Mark over that article or anything, but like I, this is my business. I have done nothing but eat, sleep, breathe 
throne of Eldraine and, and writing content and, and video scripts and everything. And I don't know what cards are where in which packs, what's in the brawl only, what's in brawl and the regular set, what's in brawl and the regular set and the collector's boosters. What frame will the it have? The most asked questions on the pre pre-release chat was people asking, when someone played play an alternate frame, they're like, oh, they're available? Can I get the foil one? Can you get the full one of the commons, the uncommons, the rest? People want to know, and we can really answer because we only opened a, a small sample size, perhaps. And I, I know that there's before everybody like says Rosewater wrote an article on it. I, I, I feel that it gives me an idea, but I, I'm not clear on what is where in what frame. I really love the Eldrain, uh, and they keep changing the names all the time. I can't keep up with what, what, oh, what what's uh, the name of the special? What do they they call it? The showcase frame. Sure. We go from expedition to masterpiece to the, it's it's like And there were two names too, so this would be the showcase. Super art, yeah. whatever. I, like, I wish we could settle on a name for, for premium frames. So, because I'm old and cranky, but uh, I love it. Man I shouts love at it. frames. Old man shouts at yes. frames. Uh, uh, it is the exact opposite of, say, the Amonkhet expedition <laughs> Frames. Oh, I can see here. See what I'm doing? The Amonkhet masterpiece frames. Uh, I love the the. I love the showcase frame. Although masterpieces and invocations, right? Masterpieces is the main title. Invocations subtitle. Either way, either way. I, I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying. Right. I agree with what you're saying. Uh, Tulane is a valuable card. This packs and the signet. And the signet. Um. So before we talk about possible over confusion from all of that. Let's just touch on this signet. I'm angry that this signet was not in the Commander Precons one of. Mm -hmm. I'm angry that a very clearly needed and desired and I'm going to just say made for Commander card was stuck in each of the Brawl decks to not force, but to persuade. Legitimize. Command, legitimize sales through Commander players buying it just for their Commander pieces uh, it's also upsetting because I feel that the Commander Precons this year were uh, lackluster. Mm -hmm. They weren't bad, but sure. they weren't I'm excellent. The the they weren't page. excellent. And well, the, the thing with the Commander Precons as well was that I've been I've been championing this idea that we can't put expensive reprints into these packs because they will get gouged. So what can we put into them? Perhaps cards that are desirable that aren't expensive reprints. For example, Arcane Signets, right? It's $35 Well, it is at the moment. It is, of course. But do you not think they'll be in the next Commander product? Is this, and this is what we're coming to, right? Command Tower and Soul Ring. Every single Why would they put it in, why would they put Arcane Signet in the next Commander product? Because every player needs them. Right. So why wouldn't they put in the next Brawl product? So why don't they stop putting Soul Rings in Commander products and put them in Special Collector Boosters? Right? Like, they do throw us a bone a little bit. Everyone needs a soul ring. Here's your 15,000 soul ring. But this is the problem, right? Commander gets homogenized. Everyone's got a command terror. Everyone's got a soul ring. And now everyone's going to want arcane signet. It's just it's just so solid. What's the point? And also, the players that go turn one land into soul ring, into signet, and then next turn play a four or five mana threat. I'm going to be so annoyed. I don't like soul ring as it is. And I feel that this is another card that's going to homogenize decks and make people have less creative input on the decks. I don't see why we want to do that. And right. I mean, at the moment, we're on the precipice of this, right? G give it another five years, what are we going to have? Like seven, eight, nine, ten cards that everyone has to play because there's no reason not to other than hamstringing yourself on purpose. Just, I find it frustrating. I don't like it. What would you think if they said Arcane Signet is... What, what what rarity are they printing it at? It's, it's all fake because it's just one oh, of each card. But so if it's, in, it's, if it's in all the decks, it's... Common. common. If it's in okay. some of the decks, it's uncommon. If it's in one of the decks, it's rare. Well, that's how it normally well, works. What would you say if they said, uh, uh, hey, guess what? Arcane Signet, uh, it's going to be uh, uh, printed as a, it'll occasionally show up. It'll be like one of the rare commons or, well, that'd be too much. I would too many dead cards. It. That It'd would be, be dead too many card dead cards. Be... Uncommon or rare. I'm just thinking about how it could have been in the normal they could, boosters. Well, they go, you stick it in the basic land slot. Randomly. Randomly every in packs. the basic land slot. And, and you say, there's probably going to be... But that's leaving, that's leaving money on the table for Wizards. Right, right? well, Why there you go. The that's boosters. not what they're about. They're, so, so there you go. So, so, oh, well, just welcome to the new normal. And, and, and then there'll be another card and another card and another card. And, and uh, welcome to the new normal. Wait a minute. Right? How do you... So Brawl's a thing on Arena, right? Right. So how do you get into Arena? You have to buy a prequel? Uh, Precons do not have codes for the Brawl decks. Uh, so you have to uh, just buy a Precon on Arena? Yes. Well, they, oh. why would they give you a code in the Brawl paper thing when they could just... You, you Sell it to you twice. Right. 
Huh, I hadn't realized that until right this moment. Maybe they'll give it to you for... F they're not going to give oh, it to you. Oh, maybe the ball... There's got to be a ball event where you get a signet and a random commandery ball thing. Who knows? Who knows? We say, look at the camera. We'll f I guess we'll find out in like a literally like a week or whatever. Ball maybe. maybe. That's kind of gross. Do you feel that we're seeing this overcomplication in, in Eldraine and that it's bad for the set? Or are we just being like, we should really just get our terminology straight? I think so. Like, I'm, I'm generally excited about the set. Like, I'm generally um, enamored by it. I think the world building, aside from the hammy on the nose stuff, is really cool. But yeah. at the same time, I'm then, we start talking about it. And before long, our conversation devolves into, so where can I get these cards? Where right. are they and things? Like, it's... Frustrating, right? I, I really wish we had a uniformity of terminology that we were using. I, I, we I really, almost, but we were almost there with expedition. No, sorry, right? Masterpieces. Masterpieces there you go. And mythic editions, right? But again, those things have become defunct in less than a. How long were masterpieces around? A year at most, a year and a half, right? And then they're like, "Here's mythic edition," and that's oh, no, it's not mythic edition anymore. It's deluxe collector. Now it's the. Supreme. It's not even an edition. It's a collection. It's the deluxe collection, the mythic edition. And when I did my video about the Deluxe Collection, uh, more than once I have accidentally said Deluxe Edition and Mythic Collection. And I feel that this is, it's, it's funny and we can laugh about it, but I feel it's bad for the game because what it leads to is this convoluted awareness of what is what, and that just leads to, it's kind of like you go into the store to buy a, a, a thing of toothpaste and there's three choices, six choices, 16 choices, 60 choices at a certain point far before 60 you no longer can make a choice you just go ah and 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 you don't you don't know what's going on but no you right. there's decision paralysis as well right like the, the modern condition is that we just get yeah. bombarded with decisions right here's his netflix what do you want to watch here's a thousand things what do you want to watch I, I don't know what do i want to watch and it happens with magic what product do i buy i just a parent going in and want to buy something for their kid for christmas right and their face was like and then they, what they just see collector's boosters at 40 pounds a pop. And they're like, geez. Right. Do I even want my child playing this game at that point? Hmm. It's oh, that's not very for your child. Green. It's for your rich children. It's not the, for you. The whale it's for whales. Children. It's for the whales. Do you have whale children? So, but that's another discussion. I, I think that I, 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 we need a streamlined system of naming this stuff. We need streamlined borders. We need streamlined premium art names and terminology. And that if they're going to shift it and they're going to say, like, maybe the reason they didn't want to call the showcase frames masterpieces is that they're only standard cards. And they felt if they said masterpieces return to Eldraine mm -hmm. and they're only standard cards, though, that some cranky YouTubers would 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 scream would scream bloody murder. Maybe they can't win. And that's also another potential topic for a future episode. But nonetheless, if you are going to lose then you might as well lose doing the right thing. That's always been my motto. So maybe they can't win. Maybe maybe these jerk jerk YouTubers would crucify them no matter what. But if you're going to lose, you might as well lose on, on on doing the right thing. And and the right thing is stop with 15 different names every set for every special permutation. And it's the collector's booster. What, what were the ultimate masters uh, boost, box topper? But now it's the collector's... I, I can't... I don't know what I'm... I'm, I'm getting anymore. Do you know the ultimate irony that bugs me is someone who likes com complicated old magic with lots of mechanics all interchanging and stuff is that they say that players don't understand sets of lots of mechanics. Right. right. But they're like, oh, we'll give you 15 different frames. <laughs> and, the, and the other thing as well. But can I get we, it in a foil? But is, is, is the common in a foil? And then like trying collectors? to figure out which card's the most expensive. It's like, so right. I, I've opened this full art Kenrith, but then there's a full art foil Kenrith somewhere else. But then there might be a full art foil Kenrith with the stamp and the FNM boosters. But I don't know for certain. Maybe that's good for us. Maybe come, people come search and try and find out. I mean, they watch this video and like, even they don't know. So yeah, are you excited for... Il, il, il... I'm so excited I forgot it I existed. I don't know what it's called. I'm so excited the for that one I forgot like it even existed. Skull, like, a, like a dinosaur skull almost or something. I'm really bummed that my Kaldheim prediction just, just sputtered yeah, out. I've, I've I was my so face. sure. I was so sure. I thought I saw like the blueprints of hints everything and i was like it's gotta be cal time are you uh, i had a mandela effect where i was yeah. i was sat talking to some people about this saying caldeheim we had a i thought there was a spoiler or a a copyright revealed of caldeheim like what happened with ixalom mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah we knew about a caldeheim name my friends are like no you didn't i looked up and there's no existence of this copyright discussion anywhere like i've either imagined this dreamt it or i've slipped into an alternate reality that didn't happen so yeah i've got egg on my face too because i was shouting about viking caldeheim on my channel too i have a youtube channel by the way 
Oh, well, where, where can people find that YouTube channel if they want? Uh, I am Vince, also known as Peasant Kenobi on the internet. So youtube.com forward slash Peasant Kenobi. If you go back and watch some videos, you'll hear me shouting that Calderheim is coming. Uh, and that wasn't true at all. Twitch.tv forward slash Peasant Kenobi as well is where I stream at least once a week playing Modern Legacy or Commander. Where can they find you? They've already found me. They're here. Hit the sub button and the bell and then defeat the Minotaur, and then you will actually get notified when a new video goes live. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> tell a friend. That would mean a lot. Tell a friend, post on Facebook, post on Instagram, something like that. Just spread the word. You know, I, I feel like uh, like like another dies to removal I'd love to do with you is possibly just talking creator ideas and just as a creator. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. one of the things is, is I feel like, like people don't ever really share my videos anymore because they assume everybody's already watching because I have such a large yeah. su a subscriber number. And then, you know, it's like, yeah. it, it's so important to share. It's so important way, to take a minute to and to post world. it into your Facebook group. Hit that sub button, anything like that. If you love this content, if you love me and Vince being here together, you know, we we, we move a lot to, to yeah. bring him out here. Uh, I flew across the I'm entire glad, ocean for this. Yeah, so yeah. if so you enjoy it, Post it to your Facebook group and say, check this out. It's really great. Good Magic the Gathering stuff. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week where Vince will be right there. I can't go home. He won't let me.